Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, welcome to Talking Sense, a podcast with me, Dr. Marta. I'm a clinical psychologist specializing in working with children and their families. And every week I answer one of your real life questions. Before we begin, I'd like to start with a pause for you. Just a little moment to settle you into this conversation. This week, with all the many things that we have to juggle as parents, I want you to think of one item, one event, one thing you can just drop. Something you can let go of and take off your to-do list. I know this is a really hard thing to do, so I just want you to remember that some tasks can be left for another day and nothing bad will happen. They might still need to be done, but perhaps you can save that time and use it for you and take a little break. And when you're ready, let's begin. This week's question is on screen time and it's a question I get a lot so let's have a listen. Hello Dr. Marta, I hope you could help with our struggle. Our little one is two years old. She asks for watching TV very often and we can't really be on the phones because she wants it and scream if she doesn't get it. We watch a cocomelon uh, on a YouTube two to three times a week and call our family on a FaceTime. That is all our screen time, what she has. We spend our time mostly with playing, listening music, drawing and reading books. But we would like to find a balance, healthy balance uh, for our little one. Thank you so much. Thank you for your advices. Have a lovely day. Oh, screen time. I think it is one of the most Um, modern parenting concerns that we've got and it's very typical for our generation and so different from our parents generation because they didn't have to really think about this um I wasn't raised with a screen screens through computers became a thing when I was a teenager and I remember my first mobile phone happening when I went to university and even then it wasn't a smartphone it was a mobile phone it was a phone I could carry in my pocket and that felt incredible um, and if you're from my generation and had a similar experience you'll know what I mean by that I it just felt incredible to be able to call my friends or my parents or whoever it was and not have to be on a landline um, And now we have these things called smartphones and they are literally like our lifesavers. I often think back at what it was like when I was younger and how different our life is now that it revolves around smartphones because these little things in our pockets, they are telephones, they are computers, they are electronic diaries, they're 
our ways to connect with people, our ways of seeing family when they're further away. Um, there are ways of buying items and they just land on your doorstep. There are GPS and we no longer need to carry maps anymore because we carry a map in our pocket. They're everything. They literally hold everything. And for children who are, you know, little ones nowadays, even teenagers, older ones, like to them, this is very normal because they were brought up to this world. They were brought up in a world of technology. And that I think for us parents can feel quite unsettling because we don't know what we're doing. So what I want to talk about today, um, because screen time is a really big topic, but I want to give you a sense of what the guidelines say around screen time for children, just to give you some context. I also really want to talk about very much the answer to this question, which is about balance. How do we find balance for our family around screens? And finally, I want to talk about when our children protest and they really want screens and what do we do about that? Because obviously that's key to this question and already the parent who's asked this question to me, it sounds like you've already found a pretty good balance. But I think what the question is saying is how do we stop our children from asking for screens or protesting when we can't offer them a screen? So I'm going to leave that to last and some of you who have been around here for a while will probably have a guess or an idea of what I might say to that kind of question about stopping our children's protests. But let's begin from the start. I think understanding guidelines around screens, what they are and what they're not, and even what screen time is, is really essential for us as parents and adults so that we can navigate this world with a little bit more confidence and feeling like we understand the purpose and the need or not of having a screen. Okay, so let's talk about screen time. And first things first, there's been a bit of research more recently about children and screen time. And there's this group called Childwise that's been trying to make sense of how much screen time young people and children are using. And it's really difficult because obviously some of this research is subjective. People have to say, this is how much I use. And we know that people tend to underestimate the amount of screen time that they use. But across 2,000 children between the ages of 5 and 16, what they found was that most of them spend three hours a day online and that 57% of children take their phone to sleep. And there's been some recent research around sleep and children and screens, whether it's a TV, an iPad of some kind, a tablet, or it's a smartphone, that shows unsurprisingly, that when children don't have access to screens for bedtime, they sleep about an hour more. And this is really important because we know that sleep is important for children's brains and their development, but we also know that sleep is important because it impacts on children's moods. So we do need to have a little think about the role that screen time plays in children's lives and when they're using it. Now, I don't believe that all screen time is created the same, it really isn't. Um, there are different kinds of screen time. And I think this is also important for us to think about as parents. So one of it is quantity, the other one is quality. And then I'm gonna talk about guidelines because we do have some as well. So in terms of quality, there is passive screen time, which would be watching something like Coco Melon or Bluey or anything else, right? A film, a TV series, something passive where all your child does is watch sit and watch, that's it. 
there's different kind of screen time, which is a lot more active and interactive. And that might be calling a family member on a video or some of the kind of screen time that gets children up and dancing or moving. So yeah, it could be something like Joe Wicks when he was doing his exercises, but there's also cartoons and TV programs that also promote that kind of interaction with children. They're not just expected to sit and watch, they're expected to watch and do, okay? And that's very different. And finally, there's screen time, which I'm gonna call educational. But when we talk about educational screen time, we need to really think about the fact that we are thinking academic, okay? This isn't learning skills like talking or socializing, and we can talk about that in a minute because I'm gonna bring that up. I'm talking about things like using a pen or using their fingers to do things like solve number puzzles or even draw and create art on a tablet. So when we do that kind of stuff, we're still using a screen, but our child might be enjoying a game because this also involves a video game, right? And it's involving their brain in a very different way from passive screen time, watching TV or a series or a film because their brain has to problem solve and they're also then activating parts of their body, like their hands or their fingers. So their brain is problem solving, but it's also working alongside their body and developing those kind of fine motor skills, gross motor skills, problem solving, impulse control. Video games are really good for impulse control, okay? They teach children to stop and pause so they don't fall over or they crash or whatever it is. So when we think about screens, I also think it's really important that we look at the variety of the input our child is getting from a screen. Is it always the same? Is it always passive or is it always interactive? Or, you know, can we find a balance between all of these things? And of course, the one that we want to shrink as much as possible is the passive type of screen time. And this is particularly true if your child is in the early years, so up to the age of five. And there are several reasons for this. One of them is that we have guidelines that are based on evidence about what screens do to little ones' brains. And this may surprise you, but one of the things that screens don't do is teach children language. So little ones before the age of two, the guidelines recommend that children don't really have access to screens. Now this is about children, okay? If you're a parent and you do use screens and your little one is younger than two, but you use them as a way of getting a little break or getting like 10 minutes so that you can go off and do something, which might be care for their sibling, just have a minute for yourself, whatever it is, that is okay. You're not harming your child. But what we know is that we shouldn't be using screens as a way of teaching children language. And we know that language develops from the age of like 12 months onwards. And two years is such a critical point for the brain, okay? Between two and four years, there is so much development going on. And screens basically offer nothing. So it's like putting your child's brain on pause because it, what it, they do, particularly with passive screen time, is children just switch off. Their brain goes half dormant. So they're not actively involved in what they're watching. They might be looking at the colors and the movement, and yes, there might be talking going on, but they're not absorbing it as real life information because up to the age of two, children's brains only really learn in interaction with the real world, which means touching, feeling, see, like 
being able to move things around. So when you speak to your child, they recognize that you're a real person. You're there. You're physically there. But a TV does not do that, right? And the screen light doesn't do that to our brains. It doesn't make children think that that is a real person on the TV. To them, it's not real. It's just an image. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense, which is also why if you've ever tried to do a video call with a little one, they lose interest very fast. They might look at their own face and they love looking at their own face because it's a bit like a mirror. But everybody else on that screen, no interest. So they tend to get bored very quickly and move on. And that's also the case that two-year-olds' brains are really unable to focus on anything for more than about a few minutes. So, you know, two to five minutes is probably their attention span. So when we put a screen in front of them and they go quiet, we need to just know that what's happening is their brain has gone a little bit dormant. It's not gonna harm them, okay? I really wanna say that loud and clear. This isn't harming their brain, like long-term. It's okay, especially if you need it for a break. Absolutely, to me, that's okay. And that's actually really important. Your needs matter too. But I want you to know that it's also not a learning tool. And I know there are lots of shows that are kind of sold for babies and that kind of, you know, icks me out a little bit. Like it's kind of icky to me because we know that that's not true. We know they're not developmentally appropriate for children. Games should be real life games. Okay, that's developmentally appropriate. So up to the age of two, the guidelines kind of say, as much as possible, don't offer screens to children. And from thereafter, particularly around the age of three to four, but I'm going to say really three to five, the recommendation is that children don't have more than an hour of screen time a day. Now, again, think about quality and quantity. Some children may get more than an hour a day, particularly at times when you're traveling or you know, you're doing something or you just need them to stop for a minute or perhaps because you're watching a film with them, you've taken them to the cinema or you're watching a family movie at at the weekend. If that's the case, then that's okay. You need to take recommendations and guidelines for what they are. They are guides, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fit for your family. Again, for children aged three to five, There are reasons for this. So one of them is, again, about their brain development. But the other really key factor is that in the early years, children need to be moving. We want children to be physically active, to be moving around. And only sitting or being in a static, still state when they're eating or when they're sleeping. Which is why the guidelines say an hour. But remember quality is different, okay? So if your child is actually using a screen to do numbers or some kind of game or activity or drawing or tracing letters, they're they're doing something academic. And in my view, you can kind of cancel that screen time out. And then I would think of the screen time that is an hour maximum as passive screen time, because you want to make sure that your child isn't just sitting around passively for over an hour every single day. And if it's only like once or twice a week, then that's okay. Like it's not gonna harm them. It is about finding that balance. And that balance is gonna be so unique to you and your family. So I am gonna come back to that in a little moment. But what I want to tell you about the guidelines is that from the age of five, again, it doesn't increase very dramatically. It says like a maximum of two hours on screens. And we know that as children get older and they go through school, that they tend to use screens for homework as well. Small details are big surfaces. 
Tight corners or odd shapes? Flat, rounded, textured, or tall? Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, of course, holding on to those two hours of screen time might be an impossible task. So for me, it's really important that as parents, you don't just think about time on screen. You really need to think more holistically. Is screen time getting in the way of your child's physical or mental health? Is it getting in the way of their sleep or their exercise or their social life? And there are a couple of red flags that I do want you to consider. And by red flags, I mean things for you to notice that might give you a clue that perhaps your child is having too much screen time. One of those clues is if whenever screen time is over that your child has a gigantic protest, like big meltdowns, big surges of wild behavior, and they just look like they're having a meltdown. If your child is doing that every single time that you remove a screen, they might have been on that screen for too long. So however long they were on that screen, you want to reduce that time. You really do, okay? You want to bring that time down. And my second flag is if your child is prioritizing screens over anything else, like face-to-face socializing with their peers or doing something as a family, but they don't want to do that because all they want to do is be on their screen. When that happens, again, for me, it's a clue that your child is having too much screen time and that actually what they need is some really firm boundaries around when screen time is okay and the kind of screen time that is okay. Because again, sometimes it's not about quantity, it's about quality. So for me, a holistic approach into this is not just about limiting screen time, which might be part of it, but it's about making sure that your child's everyday life has things like exercise and has things like screen time that is productive or educational or social because what they're doing is talking to grandparents or extended family on the screen. And the idea is to give your child a relationship with screens that is healthy. Because for me, it's not just about banning or saying no screens on children. It's about saying, how do we educate our children about using screens? Which is something most of us have not been educated by because they just showed up into our world. And actually, I think as adults, we are terrible role models to children because we don't have healthy boundaries with screens for ourselves. Even right now, I'm doing this podcast with you and I am not exaggerating, but my laptop is open, my iPad is open, my phone is right next to me, and I'm here, like, doing this podcast with you. And I think 
wow, if I look around just right now, there are screens everywhere. I am absolutely surrounded by them. And I'm one of those adults where switching off screens is really difficult for me. Like, it's really difficult. And I am honest about that because if we're not honest and self-aware, then it's really hard to bring kind of healthy education to our children. So now let's talk about limits and boundaries around screens. And let's have a think, first of all, about you. Okay, so yeah, we're gonna start with you. I know, we're talking about screen time for kids, but I don't believe that we can have that conversation without really thinking about screen time for us as adults and the role modeling that we do with our children about this because our children just have eyes for us. Now, this is a fact, okay? They pay so much attention to everything you say and everything you do. They're watching you and they learn from what you do. So if you're an adult like me that always has a screen in her pocket, I always have my phone in my pocket, you might have to begin by being a little bit mindful about when, why, and what you use your phone for. I'm talking about your phone, but also we know there are smartwatches. I also have one of those because I told you I struggle with screens myself and things like computers and all the other kinds of screens that we have around us and in our homes, okay? Think about how much do you use a screen and what is it for? Consider whether you always look at your phone or your watch or whatever it is, your laptop, when it beeps or buzzes. Are you able to let go of the buzz or do you feel like it's an immediate reaction? It's not even an urge because you haven't got time to have an urge. You just look at it automatically. If that is you, I'm going to ask you to do a little exercise for me. This is hard, but I like to challenge you sometimes a little bit. Why don't you try and record all the times that you respond to your phone, your laptop, your watch, if you have a smart watch, immediately across a day. And then I want you to make that five minutes, okay? All those numbers, I want you to multiply them by five. And then that is gonna give you a very small average of how much time you've spent on your screen. And that's a very small average because there'll be a lot more screen time that you're using when your phone isn't buzzing or isn't beeping or whatever noise it makes. Now that's just step one. Yeah, this is tough, there's more. I also want you to think about what happens at bedtimes. Do you go to bed with your screens? Are they in your bedroom? Are they near you? Are they beside you? How does that interfere with your sleep? Do you think you'd go to sleep faster if you weren't on your screen for a few minutes before bed and instead you were on your book or you were just chatting to your partner if you have one? Just consider that tiny switch. What would happen if your screen wasn't with you at bedtime? And now let's think about in the morning. Is the first thing you touch when you wake up a screen? Do you use your phone as an alarm? And if you share a bed with another human, what is that like that your first connection, first thing in the morning, is not with another human, but is with a screen? Now, these questions might feel really hard, but they are important because when it comes to thinking about balance for our families in our relationship with screens, we need to begin with us. We need to think carefully what is our relationship with screens and what are the messages which might be explicit or implicit that we give our children about screen time. 
So some explicit messages might be, no, you can't watch TV all day, that's not good for you. But some of the implicit messages that we might be giving is, but when you grow up and you're an adult, you could just be on a screen all day. Nobody's going to tell you off. Because we are on screens all day. And nobody really tells us off. We're all doing the same things. But what does that say to our children? And what are the messages that we want to deliver? So for me, there are some important questions for you to hold in mind. And first of all, they have to land with you. And secondly, you can then radiate those into your family home and really think carefully about the boundaries that you want to set around screen time. So whether your child is two or they're eight or they're 15, you know, what is a good fit for you as a family? This is going to vary between you and me and somebody else. So I can't give you a particular guide, but I am going to give you thoughts, ideas for you to mull over and think about. Think about times when you are together as a family and what you want to do is have quality family time. How much of that time is spent with screens interrupting you or getting in the way? So I'll give you some examples. That could be a meal times. That could be when you're playing together. That could be when you're out shopping. And yeah, that might sound weird. Shopping, quality time? Well, it might be time that you're spending together. How often do your screens, your smartphones, get in the way of those interactions? In our family, we have a rule where we don't have screens at the table. I am not okay for a buzz or a beep to interfere in what I perceive to be quality time together and often our meal times which are our breakfast and our dinner like during the week are the only time that we have to connect with each other so my rule our family rule is there are no screens at the table and that means it's the adults who have no screens because my child doesn't carry a phone and there is absolutely no tv nothing like that when we are at the table that's our rule and that's because you know i think me more strongly than my husband definitely me more strongly than my husband, really, really, really wants to make it a bonding, connecting time at the table. And I find the screens are really interrupting. It's like somebody interrupting you when you're having a conversation. Somebody looks away and suddenly their brain has gone into another space. Oh, there's something on the news happening or so-and-so just texts me. None of that is important. None of that is urgent. And it doesn't need to be done in the moment when you're having a conversation with another. And that switch, that adult brain switch from phone to conversation is such an unhealthy thing to model to our children. We're not helping children to just be in a moment. We're telling them to switch their attention constantly, which is exhausting, but also very disconnecting. So that's one of our family rules. And I invite you to really consider time across your days, your weeks, where you want to connect together. Are screens getting in the way? And could you set a limit? A second one is around sleep. I've already mentioned it, but it is so, so important. Do screens impact on your sleep or your children's sleep? And if that's the case, you need to set a strict boundary where perhaps screens don't go in bedrooms and they stay somewhere else, plugged in and charged for the next day, but they don't get seen in the bedroom. And finally, I want you to think about using screens in an intentional way. So I want you to make real choices about when you use them and what you're using them for, for yourself and for your child. And I've already mentioned that the guidelines say that for little ones, they're not something that should be used for more than an hour. 
But some of that use can be intentional for you. So you can take a break or you can have a moment and that's okay. Your child's not going to be harmed by it. And you can consider the quality of that screen time for your child. Maybe you can watch a program that gets them moving around or singing or dancing and therefore is more active than just passive. But that is your choice, okay? I'm just giving you ideas. But intentional is really important. If we're going to give our children screens, we want to make sure that it is an intentional choice, either for ourselves or for them, to give them some pleasure. Because you know what? Watching films is fun, okay? I love a film. I love a TV series. So I don't want to steal that enjoyment from my child either. But I do want to set some healthy rules and boundaries so that there is a balance. And like I said before, the balance has to be yours to make. I cannot make that choice because all families are different. And finally, I want to spend our last few minutes talking about what to do when our children protest over a screen. So children are supposed to protest and particularly around the age of two, this is when they begin to get a sense of themselves as an individual, separate to you, who has different wants and wishes and needs. And so what happens is they will protest when they can't get what they want. This is a normal, natural part of development and there is nothing wrong if your child is protesting over something anything, including wanting screens. But your job as a parent is not to stop the protest. We can't stop children from wanting what they want and we can't always give them what they want. It just doesn't work that way. So it's okay for you as a parent to set a boundary and choose when your child is going to access a screen. What you want to do to shrink the protest is make access to the screens predictable. So a particular time of day where your child will always get one episode or two episodes of Coco Melon or whatever else you're watching. So choose a time, maybe it's in the morning, maybe it's in the afternoon. Associate it with something that your child does. So maybe it's when they wake up before breakfast or maybe it's after lunch so they can have a rest and you can tidy up. Whatever it is, make it really predictable and if you can link it with a habit, that's even better because what it does is it gives children that concrete idea that they get to watch a screen and that they might feel sad when it gets turned off but they know it's coming back again and that can be really helpful in supporting children to learn this idea around limits around screens and what is healthy. And it doesn't necessarily build up them wanting more screens. It just allows the protest to shrink over time because they don't have to have that kind of stress of I really want something. They know it's going to come back. Of course, this takes time. For things to be predictable, it takes time for them to be set up. So you have to just accept that your child is going to protest and want a screen. That doesn't mean that they're addicted to the screens. It also doesn't mean that you've harmed them because they've watched a screen and now they're saying they want more. It just means that they want it and it's something that they enjoy and that when you say no or you place a limit, they want more of it. That's all that means. And the best thing that you can do as a parent when your child protests is stay calm and empathize with your child. So you need to empathize with their experience of not getting something that they want. They're allowed to feel disappointed and you can join them with that without giving them a screen. So that may sound like, I know, you love Cocomelon, you want to watch it all day. It's over for today. 
but you can have more tomorrow. And I know it's really hard to wait. It is so hard to wait. That's it. Sit with it. Sit with your child's protest. They're probably going to keep crying. And that's okay. They're just expressing their emotion the best way they know how through their bodies by having a tantrum. Allow it. This is not harming your child. And if you stay calm over time, your child will co-regulate with you and it'll bring them back to grounding and doing something else, you know? So think about the fact that your child may protest, but that your job is to support their emotional regulation and help them get a sense of when screens are available to them and when they're not. And when they're not, do offer them books and games and other things, particularly moments of connection with you. So what they then get when they don't have a screen is an even better gift, which is playful, fun time with you, which is what kids mostly want. For me, screen time is like so much of other areas of parenting. It's about finding a balance that works for your child and that works for you as a family. You need to be involved in the exploration of your child's digital world. Make sure that you know what they're watching, that you have watched Coco Melon or that you've played their games or whatever it is. It's really important that we stay informed and to be informed as parents, we need to do and have the same experiences as our children. And finally, just remember to encourage an all-round healthy lifestyle in your home. That includes food, sleep, socializing, exercising, moving around. And when you do that, then screens and technology, they just become a bonus. They just become another part of our everyday life because that's what they are. But they don't have to be bad. They don't have to be harmful. They can be fun, enjoyable, educational. And every now and again, they can also give us all a little bit of respite and relief. And we're now coming to an end. Thank you so much for joining me on another podcast of Talking Sense. If you're already part of my community on Instagram at Dr. Marta Psychologist, why not join my newsletter? You can sign up on the homepage of my website, drmartapsychologist.com. I have something really exciting coming up in January and I'm going to be telling anyone who signed up to my newsletter on the 6th of January before I share it anywhere else. So sign up and come and find out because I don't think you're going to miss this. Finally, I like to end on a little parenting mantra, something to hold you for the rest of the week. And this week, my mantra for you is, I follow the rules that I have set. Remember, it always starts with us. I hope that you have a restful week and that you will join me again for another Talking Sense podcast next Monday. Until then, see you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.